Hey everybody, welcome to CookPod, a podcast where you can actually hear how handsome I am. I'm Peter Barrett. This week I talked to David Bertka. His new book, Life's a Party, is out April 16th, which if you're listening to this on the day it drops, is tomorrow. It's available at all the places you get books. There's more info at davidbertka.com. He's dbalicious on Instagram, David Bertka on Facebook, and he'll be doing a whole bunch of book-related events on both coasts in the coming weeks. I'm cookblog on Instagram, cookpod.net for this site. We spoke at the beautiful Harlem townhouse that he shares with his husband, Neil Patrick Harris, on a beautifully sunny April 1st that was blessedly free of any pranks or practical jokes. And I have to say that now that it's full-on spring, uh, I'm probably going to start talking about my garden all the time because there's a lot going on, and I've been working in it every day, getting beds ready for planting, doing some planting, schlepping a lot of compost. And just today, in fact, I had a salad entirely of things that I picked in my garden and front yard. So it was wild chives and sorrel and chervil and bee balm and anise hyssop and scallions that overwintered and spinach that also overwintered. And it was fucking delicious. So stay tuned for lots more exciting updates on this fast-moving story. Seriously, though, there's absolutely no substitute for a salad that you cut mere minutes before you eat it, especially on the heels of a long winter when fresh green things have been scarce. Okay, back to David Bertka. We set up in their beautiful home theater, bedecked with red velvet, bedecked, I say, and uh, acoustically just gorgeous, the nicest room I've recorded in so far. Uh, He couldn't have been nicer. He's super enthusiastic about this project and all his other projects. And I think you'll enjoy listening to our conversation. I was just in uh, Umbria, actually. I got back like just a few days ago. That's where we got married. Is it really? Where? Uh, About an hour outside Perugia. Uh Uh-huh. That's um, roughly where I was, about oh, yeah? 40 minutes north of Perugia, in Umbertide. Uh I forget the town we were married in, but uh, yeah, it was just, we got married in a castle. A friend of ours has a, a friend of a friend has a castle, and he let us borrow it for Fantastic. a week. Yeah. So it was fun. I love it up there. It's yeah. gorgeous, and now yeah. it's just such a beautiful, beautiful place, and the food is so good. That's what I was doing, actually. I was leading a culinary tour of Umbria for 10 days, based, yeah. in, based in a castle. Yeah. Yes, it's this new uh, this new sort of side gig I've managed to scare up for myself. Oh, wow. I wonder what... And it wasn't Yevgeny's castle. No, it? it's um, it's a foundation, an American foundation called Civitella Ranieri, which has been there for 25 years now. So Ursula Corning, the, the heir to the Corning Glass fortune, um, 
set this foundation up and they've been in this insane castle and they give residencies six week residencies to artists and writers and oh composers god that sounds amazing it's stunning but in their off seasons in spring and fall it's closed in the winter but in the spring and fall they do one off like tours and groups and things like that and i've known very the, cool known the director for 30 years so um i felt that i like umbria the mountains way better than i like tuscany yeah. I, I felt that there was way more culture it was more relaxed it was prettier the food was better I, I, I yeah mean, i agree on all counts we've spent quite a bit of time in italy in all different regions and yeah. it's just my favorite place it's also um just because it's so rugged it's just harder to get to and they don't have even though they have some real jewels of um hill towns and and things they don't have like a florence or a siena yeah. so there's nowhere to pull up the thousand tour buses yeah and so it kind of you know um on the other hand i have you know friends there who are kind of grouching that the, the local you know, um, the the Umbrian tour board, such as it is, is doing like no work at all to try and get more visitors. So that there are, you know, people on the other side who are like, yeah, we could actually use some more visitors. Right, right. I see. I understand. Because yeah. Tuscany just sort of gets the bulk yeah, of it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, how long have you been in this in this house? June. It'll be about six years. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's pretty great, what I've seen of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I can take you upstairs. Oh, that'd be great. I, I have to say, though, just from a, from an acoustic point of view, this is, like, perfect. Oh, good. <laughs> and so I need I need that all the people I go to visit in the future need to have a proper acoustically treated room. <laughs> we, you know, it's, it's, Neil has done uh, quite a few things in here as well. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's turned out to be a good place to do interviews and, and podcasts Excellent. and things like that. Um, and so the book, uh, I forget what the actual release date is. Is it? It's it, April 16th. Yeah, so two weeks. It'll, it's exciting. Uh, and this is your first book? This is my first book. I read the whole thing. Oh, you did? Yeah, congratulations. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, I do my research. Oh, I mean, I have to say, I didn't do a huge amount of research on your backstory because I prefer to find that out uh -huh. when we're talking. Right. I just think it's more interesting. Um and so, uh, yeah, so I don't have like a ton of prepared questions about that part of it, but uh, we That's can definitely right. talk food, I'm, which I'm is happy to talk. sort of why I'm here. Uh, so where'd you, uh, where'd you grow up? And okay. Well, I grew up in Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, outside Detroit. Mm -hmm. I was born in Dearborn, and I grew up in Plymouth-Canton area. I went to school at Plymouth-Salem, and I went to college at the University of Michigan. And in. I studied musical theater. Oh, wow. okay. So I was, uh, uh, well, I still am, but uh, I acted. That was my goal in life was, mm -hmm. you know, from ever since I was 12 years old, you know, 11, 10 years old, I, I've been working professionally as an actor. So I was in a children's group there mm -hmm. um, and did a lot of professional theater. And then from Michigan, uh, we're, we were we were groomed to be on Broadway. I mean, mm -hmm. and if you look at any playbill on, on Broadway right now, you'll see multiple graduates from the University of Michigan. They have huh. one of the best musical theater programs in the nation. Um, and that's what you wanted since you were a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was it. Did, was there something you saw on TV or in a, in a, like in a movie or something that just sort of lit you up and you knew that's what you wanted? No, I mean, I always, I always, I was a different kid. And I always liked, I always liked sort of being the center of attention. Um, and I always liked putting on plays and stuff, you know, if there's yeah. a curtain and sure. in the back. The you'd you'd co-opt your parents' and, dinner parties and do for a show. Sure, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. My dad, uh, football games mainly during halftime, and my dad be losing a lot of money. And <laughs> 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 he'd have to watch a, a awful show with his son. Um, so, um, so that was it. I mean, I'm, I I got into this kids group uh, on a whim, and uh, my parents didn't know even that it was a professional group. Yeah. 
but I ended up working and uh, it ended up turning out pretty great for me. Yeah. Awesome. And then from, from, from college, you know, I graduated right away. My first Broadway show was three, three months wow. after I graduated. What show was that? It was called Children of Eden. Uh-huh. And it was Stephanie Mills and Adrian Zemet. It was a Stephen Schwartz musical uh-huh. um, about Bible stories. Wow. And you about, moved, so you moved straight here. Straight after to New York. Yeah. Three uh, first months rent paid and $350 in my pocket. Wow. That's impressive. Uh, I mean, that's in, like a, that's uh, a pretty soft landing. Cabrini Boulevard M one eighty one. That's where my great aunt and uncle used to oh, live. Oh, get out! In yeah. those buildings, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the one forty building. I was one eight. I was one. Oh, I think I was one thirty five. That's so maybe? funny. Yeah, right, right there. The brick there. building's facing the bridge. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, was yeah. It. My great aunt and uncle lived up there forever. Oh yeah, yeah that's a cool area. It's beautiful. I really, I mean, I for my, for the amount of space I got, man, it was crazy. Yeah, back in the day, right? Back in the day. And uh, you were close to the cloisters. And oh, yeah. I used just to ride hard my to get, bike up there all the time. It's just hard to get home at 3 in the morning. That was the only... Yeah, because, you know, the express train stopped running. Yeah. I know that. I've fallen asleep on a train many a time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I love that neighborhood. I have a strong sentimental attachment to that because I yeah. had many, many meals there as a it's kid. It's beautiful. And, yeah. It's so beautiful up there. I don't go there uh, enough. Hmm. We recently, we took a, our Star Wars... We do a lot of... Uh, about of uh, Halloween pictures, mm-hmm. and our Star Wars picture was was taken in the cloisters. Well, so, yeah. I did notice in the book that there, it's it, there's a, a, a kind of a um, when you get to Halloween it starts to get extremely fun. <laughs> like the, the photography becomes like it's it, it, you guys clearly like that. Yeah, part, we that like time of year. we like Halloween a lot. We we always do a big deal. Um, How old are the kids now? They're eight. They're eight. So years that's old. like you're sort of at peak Halloween. Oh my gosh, yes, they're great. I mean, it, it's been. You know, we've been dressing up ever since they were infants, mm-hmm. but uh, we do a family costume and they get to pick their own sort of costume as well. It's sort of getting getting pressure because people are expecting it now and the kids are sort of like, oh, we have to be that this year. But, um, you know, we'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, that's, that's super cute. Um, so All right, so you, and then you just did, so what I'm curious then is um, at some point you studied cooking, right? Yeah. Yeah, so so I always loved cooking, mm-hmm. and I always, you know, I was that guy in college where I would make big pots of soup and pastas, and, and people would come over to our place and party, and I'd feed everybody, you know, right. eggs at 4 o'clock in the morning after we were drinking all night. Yeah. Um, I would be the guy to provide food for everybody. Um, and I acted, you know, and I, I studied acting, and I was in, I went back to school and studied with William Esper, and I was on Broadway, and I worked in... I did a, a bunch of Broadway shows and did a couple of plays with Edward Albee and and TV and did a lot of commercials. I got myself through, you know, working. I never had to have a, a waitering job or anything yeah, in yeah. New York because I always, I was in a lot of commercials and I would, I was a dancer too. Mm-hmm. So and you I, sing as well, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of triple threat. Situation. Yeah, so I sang and I, I, I got a lot of the dancing commercials, the Gap dancing and the Old Navy and all those, you know, Swing and the West Side Story, mm-hmm. you know, khaki versus jeans and sure, all that sure. kind of stuff. What, so, so what years are we talking roughly now? We're talking 2000, 1999 to 2004, uh-huh. really. Those were my commercial and Broadway days. Right. Um, some independent films and some TV spots. but um, And then, you know, I, I, I ended up meeting Neil in 2004, and I moved it to Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and he got a show called How I Met Your Mother. And 
And then from then, I wasn't having the best luck in LA. You know, yeah. it's not like New York where totally where you can do a play reading or you can do workshops and you're always working or you have eight shows a week and you're all you know you're nonstop yeah. as an actor here. Yeah. Um, and the cream I think rises to the top in in New York. So if you have talent, you're going to be seen in LA. That's not necessarily the case. You've yeah. got a good look or you you are young and you're a model. And I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a weird kind of quirky guy. I was, uh, you know, I was cast in. Uh, people wanted to cast me as a leading role guy, but I'm, I'm a weirdo. Like, How I'm, so? I mean, you say that, but you're pretty conventionally handsome and put together. I know, but my, my personality is weird. Like, uh -huh. I'm a quirky, like, character guy. Yeah. When it comes down to it, when a casting director is looking at me, she's like, your read doesn't necessarily fit your type. So you're what? Yeah. The goofy, goofy neighbor goofy wearing neighbor. the Converse high tops? Yeah, for sure. I've, I've always been that kind of guy, <laughs> you know, but I, it doesn't necessarily fit with where I look. Um, so, so I ended up, you know, I, I like to cook a lot in Los Angeles and yeah. I, you know, I'd make my friends meals and whenever I got stressed, I would, I would make a, a new recipe, a, a, a chocolate cake or, a, you know, broth from scratch and whatever. And, um, and so then, then my mom ended up getting sick mm -hmm. and all of a sudden she found a spot on her arm and it was leukemia. Mm -hmm. And so we were told she had to be admitted to the hospital and get chemo right away. Yeah. So I, I, I went home and looked after my dad and my mom and my sister was there as well. Yeah. And she died 20 days after yeah. that. I'm really sorry. It was, it was fast, fast. Yeah. My mom died of cancer, but it took 18 months. So I guess it's, that's I mean, better, it's but it's it was all, also It's worse. all worse. It's yeah. all bad. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it, no matter what, what you're, predicament is it's all bad cancer yeah. sucks it man. does it sucks um and so i went back to la and i thought i can't do this i can't act and get rejected by stuff that i don't necessarily want to do because i was going in for projects that i'd read the script and i mean i'm i'm i've done two edward Albee plays so i'm going i'm not going to be on a cw show i can't this is awful stuff I can't I don't even want it and I'd audition and I'd not get it and then I'd be upset so it was sort of you know I couldn't I couldn't feed the unhappiness yeah. of being an actor and so. I assume your agent and other people were putting pressure on you just take the gig do the job yeah well I I had an agent who wasn't happy with me for taking an Edward Albee play and wanted me to do a Mary-Kate Nashley movie mm. so I'm like, I can't. I not can't. as far apart as you can get. Exactly. I'm like, I'm an actor. I've got yeah. to act. I've got to do something that's going to make a difference. Well, and when you have language that you can sink your teeth into like that. Right. I mean, to go to something else, it's like you can't live on chewing gum, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, I can't, you know, it's, yeah, I was making money, but I wasn't fulfilled. Right. Um, I'm all for art, the art, and yeah. all for making a difference as opposed to just a quick buck. And I mean, money's great. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But, but. I would have been unhappy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so speaking of unhappy, I was unhappy being an actor. So I thought, I can't act and grieve my mother's death. Yeah. So what do I do? What do I love to do? Um, that's gonna make me happy and get my mind off of this. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know what? I'll always have a skill if I go to cooking school. Yeah. And I knew that I was gonna have a family someday. So I'll I'll cook for my family in the future. You know, why not? Sure. Um, it'll take my mind off it for the next three and a half years, and that'll be that. Right. And so, I, you know, I ended up really enjoying myself. It mm. was really fun. Where did you was, go? I went to Le Cordon Bleu uh -huh. in Pasadena. Right. Uh, and it was great. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And um, I I feel like I did pretty well because I, I it was a second vocation for me. Yeah. 
and I, I I took it more seriously than the other kids just graduating from high school. Um, and once I graduated with honors, I ended up going. I did an internship with Mario Batali. So mm-hmm. Mark Summers is a good friend of ours, and he introduced me to Mario. And Mario never had ever had an intern at Bobo before. Mm-hmm. And I just run. I read that uh, book Heat by mm-hmm. Bill Buford. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, I sort of that was in my mind. I wanted the whole Bobo experience. Um, and so Mario said, hey, okay, let's do it. Let's do the student intern. Why not? You're, you're the first. Um, and, and he's had a program now for ever since me. Mm-hmm. He's taken some kids in from culinary school. And you cooked. You were on the line. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was on the line. I mean, I, he ended up being faster than I thought. Like, mm-hmm. I ended up doing the last three weeks I was on the grill by myself. Wow. And that was, I mean, I had never experienced anything Did you like get that. your ass handed to you or were you? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I've got, I mean, and you, you don't know the Bible kitchen. It's tiny. Yeah. I mean, it is what, like 10 feet. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And there's seven of us in there, but it was, it was one of the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'd, I'd call Neil late at night after my shift, you know, after I get home at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning after working there since 11. Yeah. And just crying, going, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not made for this. I'm, you know, and, and, and eight shows a week on well, Broadway I mean, and dancing. Frying pan fire is a pretty like, tired metaphor, but that's pretty much literally what happened. It's crazy. I mean, I I never worked so hard in my life. Yeah. But I have to tell you, in in that time that I spent working at Bobo, I learned more in that six months that I worked there than I did in two and a half years of cooking school. Mm-hmm. So it was it was incredible experience. I loved it. And I got to work under Gina De Palma as well, mm-hmm. too. And, and Mario would pop his head in there every now and then. And he, I mean, he is one of the smartest men mm-hmm. in, in, in the business. I mean, it's a shame what's going on with him. But Yeah, uh, well, he's, you know, that's, uh, I'm, I'm not, he blurred my book. I was not happy at all, even just from my own tiny selfish point of view when all this came out, but it's good that it came out. Yeah. I think people who have behaved that way should be called to account for I completely, I completely agree, but I mean, there is no one like him. I mean, to have him explain cooking the way he does and the way he can just effortlessly cook and talk about the regions of food, yeah, it's it's just such a shame. But, it is, I, but, and, but, but, but everyone he, I know who knows him personally and worked with him, they all say exactly the same thing. It was it was true. I mean, I, I people knew that that was going on. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I just feel bad for his kids. Yeah, his I wife, do too. And it's, yeah. It's, yeah, that's a wretched thing to be subjected um, to. I just wonder, do do people bounce back from that? I don't know. I you honestly know? I don't mean, know. I mean, it's so early to say. I mean, it's so hard. It's such a difficult thing. I think a lot of it has to do. I think that most of us are naturally forgiving, um, especially of people who haven't wronged us personally. You know, right. the concept of, of forgiving a public figure. But I think that there's, I think that you really need to do some kind of visibly sincere penitent right. accounting in public right. in of some course, way. Of course, of course. You, and you really need to kind of own your shit. And I'm not sure he's done that yet. Hmm. That's yeah. just my two cents. Yeah, the cinnamon rolls. Yeah, that was a that was a yikes. That was that was yeah. a, a poor choice. I don't know. I mean, I I I love him to death as a as a chef. Um, and it's it's a tricky situation, but it you know, I'm I'm glad to see that the restaurant business has changed. Yeah. I mean, talking to many chefs out there, and 
the world of back in the kitchen is a completely different place now. Yeah. And it's it's great. I yeah. mean, women should never be treated that way. Or no, men nobody either. should. No one. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. And, and it was a hell of an education while you had it. So. Oh, for sure. It was yeah. fantastic. It yeah. was an amazing, amazing education. So from there, I graduated and I, you know, I didn't know what to do. Uh, and I was not thinking about going back to acting. Um, and, you know, a, a friend of mine, a girl named Christina Hendricks, I don't know if you ever watched Mad Men, but oh, sure. she was yeah, the, yeah. the redhead from Mad Men. Yeah, was yeah. a good friend of ours. And she was having a Christmas party, and she said, I'm looking for a caterer. And I said, I'll do it. So it was my first gig mm. into the world of catering. And I, I have a girl, a girl partner. Her name was Molly Hennessy, and she... It was, uh, we started a business called Gourmet MD, mm-hmm. Molly and David for the M and the D. Yeah. And, um, and we started throwing Hollywood parties. So that night, I mean, we had no staff. We had right. no help. We did it all ourselves. It was three days. We didn't sleep. I mean, it was a, it was it was a, a party, party for 100 people. 100 people that's, and yeah. it was all the Mad Men people. Uh-huh. I mean, the, you know, Matthew Was it Wiener a sit-down and, dinner or, or just pass? No, it was Trey Pass. Trey it was Trey okay. Pass and uh, main main stations. Right. So, uh, but it was, you know, I remember getting at home at, getting done at 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm driving back to the valley and I'm falling asleep and Molly's honking the horn behind me like, wake up. Yikes. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was, that was the, you know, our first, our first gig. But from mm-hmm. then on, we started doing Hollywood parties and, and started getting a name for ourselves. Yeah. And that was, it was really fun. It was really fun. I mean, it was a ton of work and I, I learned so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a blast. I had a really, a really fun time because, you know, people in LA, they have liquid income and they, mm, they yeah. can you know say whatever you want and you do and you make these dreams come true. It's sure. really some really some fun times. And you also have access to any prop, any costume, any oh, anything yeah. you could possibly want it to was great. create a theme. Uh, so that would be a fun situation. And it sounds I mean just listening to you talk in contrast to how you were talking about, you know, going out for movies that you did not want to do or, or stupid shows or whatever. Like just the you're so like even just you're moving different. <laughs> talking about cooking and catering versus yeah. talking about like going to another yeah. audition. Yeah, it's true. I, and it was it was putting on like little plays for me. Yeah. You know, being able to play this part as a chef and 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 bringing entertainment into people's lives sure. and and yeah. art to people's palate. Well, and there's cuz the the creativity engages with cooking not just in the in the the way you put the food together and the way you combine flavors or or stay true to a thing that exists or create something that hasn't before, but also the presentation and in the case of a party there is obviously a lot of uh thought and a lot of talent that goes into the execution the way it's brought to people and presented and that's you know setting the scene and and the table and the sets and the and the costumes and and the way you're 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 putting it out there i mean i completely we did we did that and it was uh it was a lot of fun and it took off it took off yeah and then you know and and then from there we how i met your mother ended for neil and we the the Goal was always to come back to NYC, mm-hmm. always to come back to New York, because we met here in New York, and we wanted to raise our kids here, mm-hmm. and we wanted our kids to go to school here. Mm-hmm. So we, our kids were three at the time, so we moved back to New York, and I sold my part of the company to my partner. Yeah. And uh, This is after how many years this running is, that business? I think like three. It wasn't, you know, four maybe at the most. Right. Yeah, because the kids were, yeah, the kids were Infants, and I remember. I mean, they were in a in a sling, 
in my chest and I'm making, you know, sauces and risotto <laughs> and I'm chopping and I have pictures of me with them on my chest in yeah. a baby Bjorn and I'm working, <laughs> working. It's, it was really fun. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, so then we got here and uh, I didn't really know what else to do. Um, and I got, I said, you know, I'm going to, if I get into a Broadway show right away, then that'll be it. And I'll start acting again. Uh, and if not, I'll have another baby. Yeah. So, so I got into a Broadway show right away. Uh, and I did a Broadway show and I realized I can't, I can't with, with kids, yeah. three-year-olds, four-year-olds at the time, yeah, I, I can't be doing eight shows a week. Yeah. It's a, it's a grueling schedule. It's, man. I was missing it. Yeah. I was missing their life and I was missing, um, them growing up just that special time at night especially and that's yeah, where the, you're the, on the, the theater no you the snuggles are pretty deep at that age I mean, yeah it's, yeah at 5 30 i you know five o'clock i'd leave the theater and and then i wouldn't see them until the morning and i'd take them to school and that was it that's yeah. how i got to see him yeah so um so you know i don't know how it eventually came to be i guess i was in instagramming a lot and doing a lot of food instagrams and recipes and yeah. tips and things like that and i had a lot of comments from people saying hey you should write a book mm -hmm. you should do something with all your all your experience you have in parties and stuff and so um neil's agent uh for his books his book agent mm -hmm. approached me and said would you want me to rep you and then we i came up with a concept about parties and uh entertaining through the seasons yeah and sh and we sold it we ended up going to f multiple publishers and i landed with grand central central uh, mm -hmm. grand central life and style mm -hmm. which is now grand central mm -hmm. um they dropped the life and style but but it they seemed the most passionate about it and so i ended up pulling up my pants and 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 writing a book i never thought in my wildest dreams that i would ever write a book yeah. and it was you know, up there with eight shows a week and working the line. It's hard. It takes I've a never, huge amount of time. I've never, never experienced such a giant project from start to finish. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm not one of those guys that are just gonna, you know, hand it off to a writer. Right. And there's a lot of celebrity people who just say, "Okay, I'm gonna write a book," and then three months later they have a book. Right. It wasn't. That's not how it worked with yeah, me. I, yeah. you know, I, I ended up every single, every single recipe I came up with. Every single thing I tested, every single thing I wrote, mm -hmm. I wrote all the concept, uh, all the all the all the content in it. Yeah. Um. And and I decided that I was going to shoot the book, um, in sequence. So mm -hmm. I I ended up starting with fall, and we shot. We had four single photo shoots. Mm -hmm. So we did a fall, winter, spring, and summer. So I got the the fall leaves and the produce and sure. and the spring flowers and the, the ambiance of, you know, the the snow on the ground with the kids and the hot chocolate and Absolutely. I wanted to feel that in yeah, the yeah. book. It, yeah, it's um, definitely there. And uh and that was that was really important to me. Um and so I was there at every single photo shoot doing all the props and making sure that everything was the way I saw mm -hmm. everything. So um I can't, I don't think I can do a project without having my finger on every single well, piece. Yeah, I mean, and that's, to, to me, the, the, the what's interesting, you know, about your story and so many of the people I talk to, and, and the thing I think that, because people have asked me, you know, what this is about, and, and if I had to say one thing, it's really about how creative people navigate through whatever their portion of the food business is while maintaining fundamentally their identity as a creative person first and foremost because I was a painter for 20 years before I sort of accidentally ended up food writing. Uh -huh. And 
I, it's still how I think and look at the world, you know, right. from the point of view of being the sole proprietor of a creative enterprise. And uh, I'm always interested in how people get, you know, manage to achieve self-expression in a business which is not particularly conducive to it. Right. Um, because normally you just have to deliver product and a lot of right. it. Right, yeah. And you, know, you have to make the same dish every night the same way, or you need to make the same thing for 100 people all at once or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so did you have like a large, I mean, did you have notebooks or a hard drive or something with all the recipes and ideas and things like going all the way back to when you were a kid or did you like no you just sort of came no, up with this? no i literally had a blank slate mm. when i started and and i knew i know what i like to cook seasonally mm -hmm. and i know what flavors i like and i know what produce i like because yeah. i shop very very local and i i support our farmers and and i really love to cook seasonally like yeah. i you won't see a tomato in this house in the winter yeah uh, even in the spring, you right. know, I, you know, it's very rare that, that I would cook with things that aren't in season. Sure. So, um, I really like seasonal cooking and so that's how I wanted the book to be. And I wanted people to see that they could not only cook seasonally, but they could also not do it alone. Mm -hmm. I think, I think nowadays we're so, there's so much pressure on people to entertain and do it all by themselves but this this book is really gives people the the permission to bring friends in to source out things to to use what you have around the house or, yeah. or to use you know stuff outside your house to bring in Absolutely. um and I, I i think that um the days of all the night before foolproof cooking is is the thing of the past i think people want a social aspect i think people want to do things together especially millennials yeah. is what i'm seeing um well and collaborating is more fun right? yeah and you make dinner together well that's the thing i mean people what's one of the first things you say when you come into someone's house what can i do exactly so have a list of 10 things for them to do yeah. people will appreciate it and love the dinner way more if Absolutely. they've contributed no question yeah um what so growing up your last name's polish yeah yeah okay so yeah. growing up did you have a particular was there an ethnic um you know slant to the cooking you had at home yeah you know i mean we we are huge into entertaining every weekend there was some party uh birthday party a retirement christening so whatever it was yeah. um and everyone would chip in you know we would have at least four or five different proteins there would be a ham and kielbasa and um, you know some steak or chicken or something on the grill and then everyone bring side dishes yeah. and it was always a group effort with, with you know my aunt Pat would bring Auntie Patty would bring her broccoli rice casserole right. and then you know someone else would bring a, a couple of salads and everyone would chip in and it was it was a big thing but I mean in terms of Polish food there wasn't I mean, we would have gwumki every once in a while, mm -hmm. and and well, and you said kielbasa. There was always kielbasa, always right. uh, for every probably every some party. pierogies now and then. Every now and then some pierogies. <laughs> you know, it was I think it was a I, I think that because pierogies are so hard to make, yeah. it was a it was a couple times a year. It wasn't it wasn't a, a big thing. But my grandma really loved to bake, and yeah. and and both both grandparents were very great cooks i mm -hmm. mean they were they were really good at what they did and it's amazing how they pulled it off yeah and what my mom did too i mean i was amazed at her entertaining abilities what she could do and yeah it, how she would feed you know 40 people within one day yeah. it was crazy and i think it's important as like it's important when you grow up in a house like that you don't know it when you're a kid but you really know it when you go out in the world 
and you make some friends who did not grow up in a house where people knew how to cook yeah. from scratch with ingredients and could improvise and could throw something down for 40 people in a, a remarkably short period of time. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that I figured it out, you know, sort of around college where, you know, I had like, I had one friend in particular who like, couldn't cook his way out of a paper bag. I mean, it was kind of <laughs> horrifying because he had no exposure to it as a right. kid. You know, it was right. just blown in cheese or whatever. And and so it's and again, like seeing just hearing you talk about it, and it's clear it was clearly like very formative, even if you didn't really know where it was taking you at right. the time. It's interesting also seeing meeting those people, the appreciation they have for food too. Yeah. It's just it's uh, it's upsetting, but it's also great to have the knowledge and being able to teach people yeah. that as well. Yeah, That's yeah. what I loved about it. And you um, can taste, you know, you can sort of like, you can taste, it's kind of like having a musical ear, right? You, you sort of, um, you, you put something in your mouth and you chew it and you're like, okay, this person knows, she knows what she's doing. Like this is just, this is spot on, right? The acidity's there, whatever you need, it's all. And it, it to me, that, um, that communicates like a really uh, like a palpable joy in a way, you know, and it's oh, like it's sure. the way people talk about your grandmother's cooking. It's like a great big hug. Yeah. Right? And it's it's the, one of those early sense memories where you equate um, food with love, not in a, you know, overeating because you're depressed way, but in the real way where it's like this. I love you and I'm going to feed you the best thing I possibly can. And we're all going to do it together. And and that to me, like when that when that gets sort of taught to you the right way when you're young, uh, it, it's really, I think, incredibly valuable because I now know a lot of people who you know were not so lucky and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's informed a big part of how I do what I do now just those early memories yeah I I agree I, I love the fact of seeing my kids around food I mean we love taking them out to dinner mm-hmm. and they shine at dinner yeah and they, they eat can everything sit, everything That's I mean great. they can sit for three hours That's impressive. eight-year-olds can That's sit impressive. for three hours and I've seen them do this oh, man. Uh, and they're great and I don't I don't get the parents and I've been on vacation with people who want to eat at a different time as their kids yeah. and I don't get it yeah. I don't get wanting the kids table to be you know and they they're dumbing their kids palates down yeah. and eating boxed macaroni and cheese and I don't I don't get it like why would you do that to your kid that was... why placate to your kids being upset that they don't like to try that or they yeah. don't like to eat that like we've never had that that's always that's... you have to try it that's just the rule. Super lucky. No, it's that's the great. Rule. No, I mean, my only rule, really, from that point of view, was that with some exceptions due to illness or whatever, um, yeah, we would never have a separate kids' meal. Yeah, it was always dinner together. The three Me of us. either. Yeah, I never. My parents never made a, a separate. No, meal no, for us. It just yeah. It was this. Is Even dinner. as baby food, she used to grind my baby my food. My mom like did what, too. <laughs> what what they ate, she would just blend it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's what story. I would eat. Yeah, it was it was really. Interesting. Yeah, but that's great. I mean, impressed. Three hours at a restaurant. Like my wife and I, we must have looked at each other over a table a thousand times and said, "We're never doing this again." <laughs> and it wasn't that he was so horrible or picky, because he really is a good eater. Uh, it's that after twenty minutes, he was just done. Right. He just was. He was like, "I'm seen, and I'm out of here. Let's go." Right. And I, we're I, like, we just our main course hasn't even come yet. Oh, know? I know. We we and I'm really big on having like a bag of fun with yeah. me. I yeah. bring a tote bag full of markers and workbooks and games and things i mean we don't allow electronics at all yeah, yeah. And during the dinner that's one of my biggest no that's peeves. good and eight's, eight's really really young for electronics i think in general. yeah yeah and i mean you see, you go out to dinner and you see these people the whole families everyone's on their the kids are on their tablets and the parents are on their phones it's yeah. like why even go out to dinner i know why don't you just go and go have your own dinner and and 
you know, do your own thing. Yeah. No one's connecting with each other. It's true. Where's no, we have the same. We have the same rule. I, I take pictures of food over in the kitchen and then bring it to the table, and the, the camera stays behind. That's nice. You know, it's important. I mean, I mean, my son's fourteen now, so now it's just the surly teenager who just stares down at you know and doesn't <laughs> and grunts. You know, but that's a that's a different situation. <laughs> oh, joys! What I have to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a real thing. Oh boy! But they're all different. They're all different. Right? And, you, know, you still love them. I mean, eight's know. been great. Yeah. eight's great. They're I, and I'm just waiting for them to change. Well, you know, I mean, the thing about eight, I mean, that sort of period, you know, the second half of elementary school or whatever is, they're still unbelievably sweet, and everything's a wonder. But they're smart and articulate enough that you can really like hang with them, right? Yeah. You can have conversations yeah. and you can do cool projects, and they're really like fully there for it. And so it's kind of the ideal. Those years are really magic mm. in a way that I mean, it's all magic. But those are there's a perfect confluence of like the sweetness and the cognitive abilities. Yeah. That that makes them such good companions. I mean, it I really was so sweet. Last night, we were Neil was reading them a story uh, on the couch, and my son just wanted both of our arms on him. Mm. And I mean, I, we, I have to just cherish those yeah. moments because when he come becomes twelve, it's like yeah dad you're embarrassing me yeah don't touch don't me in touch public me. yeah that's where i am that's where oh, I am. oh man yeah. yeah he's also taller than i am now so it's like <laughs> he, he could kick my ass if i tried to <laughs> oh man but it, it's uh, the 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 folk that focus on it's one of the things that i really um i really liked about the book is is the way you talk about and how much obviously your kids are in the book um but how many of the parties are also uh, you know you have some that are sort of more adult oriented and you obviously have sort of an alcoholic drink suggestion for each one but but a big chunk of it especially in the fall with the all the halloween stuff you know a big chunk of it is it's very much um parties where the kids are included yeah not where there's a kid's table in the other room or where you've sent them all to one person's yeah. house with a babysitter and where it's where it's and that to me is great because that gets at what i really consider to be the real art of living which is not where you and it we all need grown-up time don't get me wrong but it's where where you're able to pair that kind of adult sophistication, execution, food the way you want to eat it, but not like exclude them or just push them away or put on a movie and make them go in the other room, which True. happens all the time. And and yeah. I, I really like the way you try to constantly bring everybody in. Well, I I love I love hanging out with my kids, and yeah. I think they bring a lot to the table. They're yeah. really fun yeah. and really great, and I think other people enjoy their company as well. Yeah, and that's why I was I think that instead of just giving the kids soda or, or you know water or milk for dinner, I think it was really important for every alcoholic drink that I have I have a mocktail pairing right so what you can do so why can't I mean for other people who don't drink yeah of course but then the kids too should feel special yeah that they get a drink as well yeah I think it's uh I think it's great that way and then how to bring people together at the end you know I think it's so many parts about uh dinner parties are you have a dinner and then okay bye that's it I think how to keep the party going was really important for me too yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know there's a lot of a lot of um, you know the sort of games and and ways that the decor and the theme can sort of support that. And, and yeah, for that. every for every chapter, uh, every party, I have a it's sort of a template like mm -hmm. what what you can do beforehand, what crafts you can do to bring to the party, what craft you can do during the party, what kind of flowers are in season that what can you do for the flowers yeah. flowers or the table escape. There's a playlist for every party, mm -hmm. what to wear, kind of lighting, you know, it, it's it 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 does it does and it's the same for every 
chapter, but just different content. Yeah. So it's very easy to follow. Yeah. I think. No, it's it's making me feel like a terrible host, honestly. Because <laughs> I, I, I concentrate on the food pretty thoroughly, but in terms of the other stuff, I, I tend to fall pretty flat. It's certainly in comparison. But to... that's what it, it, you know, in the beginning of the book, it says, don't, you, you pick and choose what you want. Yeah. It's like education, you know, what you, what you bring to the table. Yeah. Um, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, and that's, I have three sections in the book. It's, uh, you know, party basics, upgrades, and then over-the-top ideas. Right. So you can pick and choose whichever ones you want. I mean, you don't have – you can do an over-the-top idea and then a basic, and yeah. that's it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you don't have to feel like you have to do it all. Right. And so so when you – you use the seasons, obviously, the book is arranged chronologically throughout the year, and a lot of the ingredients come directly from certainly what's available here in the Northeast mm-hmm. at those times of year. Right. Obviously, in L.A., it's a little different. Yeah, um, you can do anything you want. You pretty much can. Uh and yeah, I remember out there being out there once, uh, you know, in the middle of winter, which is citrus season, and I was just like, actually, got kind of angry for a minute because I'm from here, and <laughs> I was like, really? You just honestly have you can you have this many oranges growing just in your yard? This I is know. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm mean, the produce in Los Angeles. I do miss that a yeah. lot. The produce, the Mexican food, and the sushi are, my, are the things that I miss a lot about you're, LA. You're pretty much spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I, when we were out there on a book tour a couple of years ago, we, we the first place we went in LA was the Santa Monica Farmer's Market because it was Saturday. Oh, that's the best. And we just freaked out because it was April. It was right now in the Northeast. So it's just mud season. Everything's gray. There's almost no fresh food of any kind. And um, we freaked out and bought all the fruit. And we, honest to God, started drinking mezcal at noon because we needed to use the citrus. (laughs) And we were on a book tour, so who cares, right? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I think um, I, I enjoyed the book being arranged chronologically. It's how I made mine too because we live in a place that really does have four real seasons Mm -hmm. and they're roughly equal length and they're extremely distinct from one another and culinarily they have totally different identities and um so i like the way that you you sort of remain connected to that and um i'm curious because you grew up in a in a um in a pretty uh, you know, sort of straight up American Midwestern situation oh, culinarily, yes, right? In terms of what you're sure. eating, right? And we were in the world of processed foods too. Right. I mean, so there were a lot of shortcuts, Campbell soup mixes, oh, yeah, and totally. and I, I tried to break away from that and 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 get the real version. Yeah, yeah. But so I'm curious, uh, as you thought of these different events scheduled throughout the year and the ingredients that you would want to feature in each of these things, um, I'm I'm sort of curious. I don't know, was, was this repertoire of dishes, some of them, I mean, a roast chicken is a roast chicken, right? But you right. Have a, it's a good good technique, which includes the trussing, which is obviously important. And, um, but I'm, I'm sort of curious, like, uh, how, you know, when you were doing the catering, um, to what degree were you either actively trying or just kind of accidentally based on what was available or based on the needs of a given host uh, a client? Um, to what degree were you sort of innovating and trying to make, you know, make up your own dishes or, or, or just execute things that you already knew or like, cause I'm, I'm really interested in improvising. Um, I tend not to make most things exactly the same way twice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always interested when I talk to people who write recipes and have written cookbooks and things like that, how, uh, see if I can turn this into one question, how mm-hmm. you, um, how you kind of dial in the one recipe that represents, you know, the sort of ideal or the best expression of the thing that you have in mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, I think it, it depended on the client. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our our go-tos, 
that we said, you know, you really should try these. Um, but of course you're going to cater a, a wedding differently than you're going to cater a kid's birthday party. Right, right. So um, we were always trying to come up with new and innovative stuff depending on what the, the season was. Yeah. Um, I think you have to in order to keep it fresh. Yeah. I think you have to in order to feel like you're pulling out a good product. And yeah. I, I and and like you know cooking, nothing's ever the same. Right. Things can always be different. Yeah. Depending on, you know, we came we did a whole we did a lot of pizza parties and, you know, we came up with putting kale on a salad once. Mm-hmm. And that was like that was a goat. We did a parmesan uh, base with roasted fennel and then we ended up putting lemon kale on it and that was like one of our best sellers we just mm-hmm. it, literally it was a it was a, a last minute thing we just threw together and mm-hmm. it became a, a, one of our one of our signature dishes that we that we that we made but um but like i said it's like it, it has to be fresh and innovative and and yeah. and you have to believe in it as well did i answer your question yeah you did you did no because it is it's to me it's always um you know, the minute you publish a recipe, you've kind of locked something into place. And and it was not locked into place prior to that because anybody who really knows how to cook knows how to substitute and right. zigzag and adapt to more, oh, you know, somebody brought four friends and or any of these things, right? Um, and so I'm just sort of interested in, in how, I guess, how you sort of curated your selection of recipes and, and uh, because there's so much flexibility built into your formulas for the parties. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, just. With I mean, I say <clears throat> I say that a lot. You can substitute this. You can substitute that. Yeah, if you don't yeah, like yeah. onions, don't put that. You know, I, I say that in little tips and things like that. Yeah. But I I really looked at the season, and then I looked at what produce and and what produce is really uh, popular mm-hmm. in that season, and I sort of built that around. Like you don't see many dishes that are doubling up on different produce right right. so you know if i have an apple recipe i'm not gonna i'm gonna do a pear recipe in the next in the next section so i don't i try to use every sort of vegetable and fruit that there is in every single protein yeah that there is as much as i I don't really repeat that much so i i feel like there's a wide variety of if you don't like scallops there's a you know there's a, a a shrimp ceviche yeah recipe in the next chapter yeah, so it's yeah. it's a it's a wide variety yeah i think i think you cast a, a big net and 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 you'll get something that someone would like absolutely um how you spent you must have spent at least i mean you spent a year doing the photo shoots right and you were yeah. doing and you tested all the recipes and oh yeah and so for sure was it uh, uh sounds like it was closer to two years probably total it was to, like two and a half yeah, yeah. and i mean it's it's I mean, talking to a lot of chef friends of mine who have cookbooks and they're like, they say it's, you know, you put so much work into it and then it's done and, then, and that's it. But it was really, it was really a great, not only a great experiment, but great um, experience for me because I really, this is my first and it'll be my business card. It'll be my calling card. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I think if I throw the gauntlet down and, and work really hard on something as opposed to. I see chefs out there that, you know, announce that they're doing a cookbook and now it's out in the fall. Yeah. Like, I, that just doesn't, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. I, I have to be super micromanaged. Well, and, and it's, yeah, because it's, it's self-expression uh, and it's yours. Right. And I mean, as you see, it's not, it's not your typical cookbook. I mean, it's got like lots of party tips and things and, um, 
well, over 103 recipes and lot side recipes, but it has a usual cookbook. Uh, your general cookbook has about 75 pictures. Mm-hmm. This has 250 pictures. It sure does. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to look at. And yeah, you, you and guys, that's what you guys clearly are having a ton of fun. Well, within a lot the, of the within time. the within the book, yeah. I I I have sixteen parties. Mm-hmm. Every chapter has four parties. I shot two parties, mm-hmm. so I actually threw parties. Yeah, and they're all filmed in this house, except yeah. for one was in Central Park, uh-huh. um, for the picnic. Yeah, uh, but. You see us, all my friends are in the book, yeah. and we're all having a good time. Yeah. You know, we do a, we were doing a, a snow day party in the morning with a bunch of kids, and in the afternoon, I had 30 people coming up town for a New Year's party, and this yeah. was in February, wow. and it felt like we were actually celebrating New Year's. That's we're doing fun. a countdown, and yeah. I'm still And fun. you had to wait for a snowy day to do it, right? Because you needed this for <laughs> yes. the snow day. Right? Well, we, luckily, it happened that it was snowing the day of the, the, the photo shoot we were doing not for the party, mm-hmm. but for the for the actual uh, food beauties because mm-hmm. I had two different photographers. Right. I had an uh, art photographer, a friend of mine who's a contemporary artist who shot our wedding, who's mm-hmm. a major editorial artist uh, mm-hmm. photographer, mm-hmm. and named Daniel Levitt who's mm-hmm. so talented, and and then another woman, Amy Newsinger, who does a lot of editorial but major uh, in food beauties and and food, and she does a lot of magazines and things like sure. that. Um, but we actually, it was snowing, and we pulled the kids out of school. <laughs> I called the teachers. I said, "It's snowing. I've got to get this picture of the kids on the on the, on the steps." And uh, and we pulled them out of school for an hour, and we got the shot. And then boom, they went back to school. That's that day. great. That's great. Um, so the are you doing um, the release date is pretty much the day this is going to come out. So right. do you have? Um, what kind of events, book tour? What's the? Yeah, we have a big book launch party at the Standard at the Boom Boom Room. Uh-huh. I'm doing um, Writers in Kind. Uh, I've got I picked one of the authors in the God's Love We Deliver luncheon. It's mm-hmm. a big luncheon. We're getting honored at the Food Bank this year. Fantastic. Uh, uh, with Jose Andres mm-hmm. and. Do you raise a lot of money for them? Or? Uh, yeah, we've done. I've done quite a bit of, uh, of philanthropy for Food Bank. I really. Mm-hmm. I really love that organization. Yeah. And I love taking my kids down there and mm-hmm. we serve food and, and they love work in the pantry. Yeah. That's really fun because they get to feel like it's they're playing shop. Yeah. You know, and they get to tell people, you get one of these and two of these and, and they also I like them practicing their Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. It's all good. Yeah. And they're getting to help people. Yeah. Um so yeah, the food bank and then and then I've got a bunch of T V appearances. I'm doing Rachel Ray and mm-hmm. the, the kitchen and Wendy Williams and Dr. Oz and and then some stuff in Los Angeles. We'll have a book party in Los Angeles and Gail King is uh, interviewing me for Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. and then Kobe Smolders uh, in New York and then Kobe Smolders is interviewing me in Los Angeles at Barnes and Noble as well. Okay. So um, I've got, you know, lots of stuff lined up. So it's uh, lots of fun things and uh, lots of interviews and magazine stuff and podcasts and yeah, sure. So, so having done this now and having it, almost out in the world, out in the world as far as everyone in Radioland is concerned. And um, I'm curious sort of in terms of like your learning process and your, you know, you clearly like are super passionate about this and have this incredible wealth of experience. Uh, do you have another one in mind already or like sort of future? My agent really wants me pushing, <laughs> pushing this out, um, which is, you know, I do have uh, I have, do have something in mind. Uh, it's a stripped down version of 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 what I did uh, 
for the party world, life is a party. Um, but I'm not. I'm on a different path right now. I've got I've got another big project in the works, and uh, we've got and big documentary for HBO coming out this summer in June. Uh, we brought back the legendary drag festival Wigstock this past mm-hmm. summer with Lady Bunny and we shot a documentary for it and it's going to be coming out in June and we're closing Tribeca Film Festival. Fantastic. So that's, that's we're very excited about that and that's, um, that's so, sort of on, that's produce, I'm in producer mode now. Right. Now that the book is sort of out, I have to just focus on that and there's Absolutely. another project too that we're working on as well um and so so while you were making the book and parenting and not acting on broadway because it's such a brutal schedule <laughs> you've clearly been still like you're still working fully are you acting it or just producing or no I, well i i work i i'm in it i'm in the documentary mm-hmm. uh as myself mm-hmm. talking about the process and 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 the festival mm-hmm. um I, I do and i do i sing every once in a while i was at birdland a week ago and then i sang at another benefit um at uh 54 below mm-hmm. um and i get asked to do there's a couple of web series that that are coming down the pipe for me but um i haven't shut that door completely uh i think the best thing about being an actor is that you you can be an actor till you die yeah and there's always roles and i think especially now that i'm older and i'm a dad you know i think the roles are they're they're more interesting mm-hmm. as opposed to the leading man sort of goofy boy next door yeah that i get cast in so yeah. i think that roles are just more abundant for me um and i think that i'll work in the future but for right now, it's it's cooking and, and being a father. Yeah. And and most of your, uh, you say you love to take the kids out, but I imagine you still prepare most of your meals at home? I mean, oh, I cook almost every day. Yeah. Cook almost every day. You know, we were on we were on vacation and they were really complaining about the food. And uh, and so the first thing I did when I came home was make bolognese. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of their favorite meals. Yeah. Um, made bolognese. And then yeah. I made a roast chicken last night and this uh, really great green bean, lemon pasta uh and uh just some local you know mushrooms and and green beans that are seem to come out now for the spring which yeah. is nice do you um, do the kids like to cook with you yeah yeah they love it they love it my daughter is uh, amazing she'll wake up in the morning and just make pancakes from scratch i have i have the all the ingredients on there she knows you know the technique now yeah but she'll she'll bang it out and i won't even have to do anything with her you know she's great my son loves loves making lots of salads. Um, he loves uh, doing stuff with the flat top. He's he's really a pro at making hot dogs. He prides himself. That's good. That's good. Doesn't get much more New York, more New York than that. Exactly. Right? A good Pat Lafrida hot dog yeah, is pretty great. It is. Um, That's when I when I spoke with Mary Giuliani actually because of her book we spent a fair amount of time talking about hot dogs. I love her. Yeah. We just did a podcast together. Did you? Yeah. We interviewed each other. Oh, fantastic. And she's great. Her book's coming out really soon. I just yeah. I just I'm about halfway through her book. And it's just so much fun. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. She's adorable. Yeah, we talked in my dining room like three, four weeks ago. So oh, fantastic. Yeah, that episode aired uh, before I went oh, to Italy. Oh, I have to check well, When that I was out. in Italy. Oh, love it. Yeah, love it. she's great. Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, cooking with kids is interesting because in my experience, again, because my son's older, um, he was super, super into it. And then, like, not at all because they go through this, like, expert phase where they already know everything and then they just will not take direction, like, at all. Oh, okay. And then it's not relaxing or fun at all. I mean, it's, like, not cute in the least. They're just right. like, no, Dad, I know how to do this. And then he just ruins dinner and then, you know, it's like, or whatever. <laughs> 
So did you, he he liked cooking with you and then he it, used it to started, love it. Yeah, and then but he then, stopped. But, but he's you know he's, it'll come back though. It will. No, it's totally, he's and already he has he's appreciation already, for it. He's he's getting more into it now, and I'm actually like he's you know he's one of those he likes to be good at things. Not unusual. Yeah, who doesn't? But, but he's one of those people who kind of observes and observes and observes and then sort of steps in when he's pretty much got it. That's great. Yeah. That's a great quality. Yeah. yeah. It's great to watch. He does not like to learn in front of an audience. I'll put it oh, that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pressure. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. My son's the same way. Maybe it's a boy thing. He could be. I think that's partly, you know, it's this sort of whatever, slightly macho, like, right. don't want to fall short in public. Well, he will be so happy later in life, though, that oh, he grew so. up with that. I, I keep so. telling, so, I mean, so many people say to my kids, you don't know how great you have it. Do you realize how great you have with your dad, you know, being able to cook for you and your appreciation for food? I mean, I think they get it, but it's, you know, they, it's interesting. They, they, I see them go out to dinner with other kids yeah. and it's, you know, my kids ordering escargot yeah, and the other kids funny. around him are going, <laughs> gross. My kid was that's, that's five years old. He ordered escargot, and this 14-year-old, no, I think it was like 12-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old boy was shrieking, hiding behind his dad. And my five-year-old looks at him and says, don't knock it till you try it. That's funny. That's great. I was like, yes, that's, I'm doing something right. Yeah, you are. Doing something right. No, it's but really, to have the confidence, too. Totally. That's, yeah, that's, it's, it's uh, because peer pressure is such a thing at school. And, and, you know, being the kid with the weird lunch, I was the kid with the weird lunch, you know, because right. my mom baked her own bread and she put all kinds of weird, you know, because her parents were both from Europe. And oh, that's like Mary's Mary's uh, uh, story about the sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. she would yeah. sell her sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it. I was the kid with the like weird homemade whole wheat bread with like things sticking out of it, you know, and everyone else had their perfect oh. cookie cutter, you know. Wonder process yeah yes. totally totally and oh lucky you well i was I, I am now i mean at the time i but really i really you... wish i could have fit in a little bit more of course yes <laughs> you always want sort of what you can't have but... yeah um and I, I could never get the clothes right either like i just you know it's like i got the nike sneakers but they had the wrong color swoosh on them and i got teased for it i was like what are you do- what are you talking about kids are brutal yeah they are so kids it's are it's brutal. super admirable that that your guys have the confidence to just you know Order the weird thing, the snails, you know. Yeah, we keep we keep saying, you know, be your individual self, be proud of who you are, and and, yeah. and it'll, you know, you'll come out on top. I think that's really important to, to you know, be confident. Although, I've noticed my daughter has slipped yeah. with the food stuff. I think the peer pressure of the girls. Slipped saying, in what way? Just more conformist? Yeah, I think girls can be tough. Girls can be rough with each other, and yeah. I think that she's sort of taken sort of a backseat with with being picky mm-hmm. with things. kids well, can make fun of her for ordering the hot lunch as opposed to because we don't i don't make their lunch it make it kills me like i wish I, but their yeah, school, the school they doesn't. get lunch provided yeah. and I, was, I wish i could you know give, uh, give lunch with little handmade notes and a toys prize inside or something yeah, like that but but it's not allowed yeah. or it's just everyone's getting the same thing everyone's getting the same thing yeah yeah but they, I mean, my son orders the hot lunch every single day, mm-hmm. whether it's pork or, you know, swordfish. Yeah. You know, it's, it's... That's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, girls are obviously, she's young, but girls obviously, at, you know, at some point start to get subjected to all kinds of other standards that right. boys, boys are at least largely exempt from, although it's increasing there too. I mean, it's that's actually something that I know a little bit about, and it's a drag, you know. They start to really, you know, care about how people perceive them aesthetically. That's crazy. You know, nobody's ever raised kids in an era where they have access to the imagery and information that we all have. Like, in front, I, I have know. two screens in front of us right now. 
um, each of which is more powerful than the technology that sent people to the moon. You and know? the wanting to have it so early. I mean, I, kid, my kids ask me when they're going to phone. Yeah. I'm like, are you joking? Yeah. yeah we no. just did that. 14 was the, was the, and that's just because he's moving around and more. No, and, I think 14 is appropriate. Yeah. I mean, for now in the days. Yeah. I think I see kids that are 10 years old with phones and they're not ready for phones. They're not. And, and they, they get like, they, there's a little bit of a crackhead element to it sometimes. Like they can't put it down. Yeah. They can't not look at it. And the minute they get together as a group, the, the, the phone, they're just, it's a little, and, and nobody's ever, I mean, there will be obviously some Amish people who, who you know, raise children now without technology and, and will, you know, um, but there are very few people who are living in, let's call it mainstream society, who, right. who are raising children who aren't, like, barraged by this stuff. Well, they're saying it's a, you know, it's, there's a lot of child psychologists doing a lot of work on, um, kids who are addicts of of technology yeah i mean it's the same endorphins that yeah. are, are triggered with with drugs and alcohol and yeah. food and yeah. sex and it's it's very it's deep it's and powerful. very interesting where yeah. we're going to be going i mean there's going to be you know technology you know anonymous yeah soon yeah except how do you like, how do you forswear that when it's how so many of us, um, you know, earn our livings or communicate or, right. or, right? I mean, you can get dumb phones, right? There's some people who are now, it's like the fixed gear bikes, right? It's like, I have a dumb phone. It can only text. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's smart. I think maybe going that route or but, and having the knowledge to be able to have the phone, but being able to put it down and spending 150% with the person. Yeah. I think that's the thing. that, that it, the, the quality of time spent, um, and not necessarily quantity, but quality. Like mm -hmm. being able to be there with your friend or with your parent and not being able to, like, right. yeah, uh, with on your phone, just, right. a, just a second after right, this. Right, right. No, this I do is it. dinner. I do it. We all do it. I, yeah. We all do it. Right. But, but this it's, is I think dinner. This is sacred. We're together. Now, yeah. Even at if it's least, only half an hour. At least it's that. Yeah. At least we, it's that. Yeah. That's, I think we have a social... What's like, the word? like a contract or something? Yeah, I think we. It's our. It's our duty to to do that. Yeah. I mean, we we need to take care of each other yeah. in that way. How do you? Um, because I know you, you're on social media and and obviously use it and and I don't know if your kids are involved in that or or they're a little young probably to be caring a whole lot about it. But I'm interested in um, because not only do the screens give you that endorphin rush. Mm -hmm. But then, when you open the app and you see how many likes, likes. you got, oh yeah, I mean, then you get this whole it's other crazy. thing, right? Because that's about you or the thing you posted, or, right? And and I'm just sort of wondering if like if how you're navigating that, or if you've given any thought to that, because it is sort of it can be very pernicious, and right? I, I mean, we we do. I mean, social media, you have to nowadays. You know, you can't sell a book without having social media. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and we we do put our kids on social media. Uh, because we found that if we don't put them on social media, the price on their heads from paparazzi oh. is way more. Right. So, so we sort of, we're it. able to regulate it yeah. more. And yeah. I think also being who we are as a gay couple, um, I think it's good for the cause that people see that we're two normal dudes. Yeah. We're just raising kids yeah. and they're turning out pretty great. Yeah. That, that, that it's okay. No, yeah. It's okay. I think if we were in a different situation, I probably would feel differently um, with showing my kids' face or having them out there as much as we do. Um, but in terms of them, 
I've already seen it. You know, they wanted to open up an Instagram account for our dog. Yeah. Uh, and our, 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 one of our babysitters handles that. So they, they see on the phone with Gidgetgram, Gidgetgrams, uh, which is our dog Gidget. Yes, she I, met, own... I, I tried to pet her, but oh. I was warned that she might bite me, so oh. I didn't pet her. She's she's was she's from Thailand, and I don't think she was very uh, well liked back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she's she's sweet with us, but she can be a little yeah, sure. she can be a little bitchy. Well, sometimes have issues with strange men too. Right, so. right. It's true. It's true. Um, uh, but she but they they open the phone and they say, oh, she's got you know twenty seven lights in a half an hour, and it's just it's just. It's crazy. Like, it's not, when we keep telling them, it's not about the likes. It's just about, you know, posting the picture. And it's it's hard not to feel validation from that. So, I don't know. I, you're nobody knows. I'm, I'm no, just nobody. Gonna... I'm just, I'm, no, because you're obviously a really devoted parent. And I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are on this. Because we're all confronting it every day. I think, I think as much as we, I, I think as parents, we have an obligation to try and keep them as small as possible. Yeah. You know, my daughter hears about her friends that are watching PG-13 movies and, and you know, and though they're in a world of New York and they grow up a lot faster than other kids and no they question. see a lot of other things. We're up in Harlem and, I mean, there's a lot of things that other kids don't see on a daily basis. Um, but to try and keep them a ki- as much as a kid yeah. as possible, I think... I, I mean, we try not to take them to many premieres and and have them be out there, and but it's inevitable that they are going to uh, be a part of that, and and try and keep their world small as much as we can. Living in a crazy big New York celebrity world that we do, we have to keep it as small and closed as as we can. I think. I agree. I think that being able to, and of course, everybody's different, and some kids are a little harder than others and some kids are softer and whatever but I think trying to trying to maintain that core of sweetness Mm -hmm. as far into adolescence as possible has been really important to me yeah Um, I mean I'm very particular on what show she watches you know there's a lot of those teenage young high school kids shows that the kids are just obnoxious like there's a a few even cartoons that I won't let her watch because the girls dress like sluts yeah no i hear you i hear you. I mean, and, cartoons and, and you just... of all people know that like to me and i'm not in the business at all but there are certain shows in t- within 10 seconds you can tell that it's just a writer's room writing for each other all they're doing is coming up with the snarkiest meanest most yeah. cutting barbs but they're writing to entertain themselves right it's a writer's room yakking yeah, at each yeah, other yeah. and then they're putting it but they're then putting it all in these children's mouths or teenagers mouths and they don't even know half of the subtext of what they're talking about uh-huh that that I find kind of yeah. I noticed a show she started watching, and I thought it was good. And then I, the next couple of days, I noticed a bunch of more eye rolls, and I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're never putting an end to this. Yeah, they teach kids how to be dicks to their parents. I know, I know. And how to get, like manipulate your parents into shopping more for things that you want, and <laughs> and that's what the ads are all about. Right, and and also like the teenage romance stuff too. Like, there's time for that. Like, yeah. why? We don't need that. There's a lot of other content on TV and yeah. movies that you can watch that are good positive messages, you yeah. know? So, so you know, it's, there, like, there's no handbook. No, there's there no sure map. Isn't. And that's what's so great about being a parent, but also so, you know, you 
racking your inning yourself and 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 am I doing the best job that I can? But I guess you guys have to trust your heart and your yeah, gut. Yeah, you do, you do, and and also you know a, a stable partnership goes a long way. True, and knowing I think that's a one thing I read a long time ago when I was when we were first we first had the kids is that they have to know that they feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, with you know that's why we go out on dates. That's why we you know are are affectionate towards each other you know i didn't see much of that mm-hmm. my parents hardly ever went out mm-hmm. my parents really didn't touch each other much and i think that i i i was a little screwed up by it yeah i think it was the time period too but um but i think the kids need to know that they're they're going to be all right yeah yeah i think it goes a long way because it's hard to be human and for sure and the world can can strip a lot of bark off of you and so yeah. it, 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 if you have a, a solid core and you know who you are and you believe in yourself and you will stand up and order the snails when everyone else is <laughs> eating bologna and cheese then you know that that's i think that's kind of that's honestly like i said earlier some um it's some version of why i'm so interested in talking to uh creative people you know and about uh-huh. how you how you maintain that sense of self in in the world you know so i love it Great. Well, thanks for talking to me. My God, my pleasure. This is so much fun. Good. I'm glad. Hey, thanks. David Bertka. His new book, Life's a Party, is available everywhere. DavidBertka.com. DB delicious, so it's like delicious, like delicious, but with a B and with a D before that. DB delicious on Instagram. Check it out. His joie de vivre is not a joke, and he's really good at what he does. I'm Cookblog on Instagram, Cookpod.net. Music by my son Milo Barrett, smilob.com. Please subscribe. Please rate five stars. Please tell your friends. And thank you very much for listening.